Let us go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let us go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through, we'll figure here when we stop. If you're able, let us stand and read God's word together. If you're able, if not, we certainly understand. And for the sake of time, let me begin reading here in, in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you wit, or we can, uh, for the make of sense, witness, we do you wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, in affliction, uh, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of the joy and the deep poverty abounded unto their riches to their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yeah, and beyond their ability, they were willing of keyword of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us a fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Verse 5 is my favorite one out of this text. And this they did, not as we hope, but if you can, if you can read it with me for, to make sense of this, if, everybody, let's read the next sentence. But first gave their own selves to the Lord, and unto us by the will of God. I read verse 6. In so much we desired Titus, that as he had begun, that he would also finish in the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. And to prove the sincerity of your love. Let us read verse 9 together. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That yet for your sakes he became poor. That ye through his poverty might be rich. I read 10. And herein I give my advice. For this is experience for you. Ye who had begun therefore not only to do so. But also to go, a year, to go forward. A year ago. Let us pray and we may be seated. God, I thank you, God, because we can look at your word, God, and for every answer of life and even any need, God, you have outlined it in scriptures, God, what we must do, God. I thank you, God, for many churches, God, along the way, being willing to partner and to give, God. But God, you know, it is my desire not only to secure financial Support, God, but also secure prayers, God. But at the same time, God, it is my desire, God, to secure laborers for the mission field, God. God, it is, is not my job, God, but it is your job, God. And you have invited us, God, to be co-laborers with you, God. I pray that if you can work, God, in the heart of a person here, God, even a young teenager, God, that is thinking about maybe going to secular school, God, maybe that you would call him, God, to go to Alaska or to go somewhere else, God, to reach a lost and dying world. I pray that everything will be done according to your will, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. In 2 Corinthians, here you have the Apostle Paul. And one of the things that truly caught my attention, it is how the church was started. In Acts 18, verse 1 through 17, Luke, the writer, tells us how the church was started. It was around A.D. 51. The apostle Paul went, and he stayed there for 18 months. 
Uh, it, it took longer than, than the church of Thessalonica, where he got the church going literally in three weeks, under a month. Very impressive how God worked through the Apostle Paul and the church of Thessalonica. But in this case, the Apostle Paul went to the city of Corinth, and he was there for 18 months. Now, we know the background. We know the, the, the story of the church of Corinth, right? And we know how, at the same time, we know how cardinal they were, uh, to, to the point that nobody to this day should name their church Corinth Baptist Church. Very, very cardinal church. Now, after they started... 18 months, the, the, the Apostle Paul was working with them and ministering to them. And in 1 Corinthians, he writes to them with a bifold purpose. He had, he had two things in mind that he wanted to address. There was certainly the spiritual division amongst the assembly. Some say, well, I belong to this circle, right? Or I'm from, I belong to this newspaper, or I belong to this guy baptized me. I, this guy reached me. There was divisions in the church. You know, when, when you have divisions in the church, that is not compatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is supposed to bring unity not only to sinners and God, but also amongst the brethren. And so that is the first purpose. The second purpose, there were some mysteries or some, I'm just going to call them for what they are, sins, that they were happening in the church. Certainly there were a lot of, a lot of things that were happening immorally. There was uh, moral... There was lack of moral pure, uh, purity. There were walk, lacks in their walk, uh, lacks in their doctrine. But he also, the Apostle Paul at the same time takes the time to write in there to urge him to give to the saints that were in Jerusalem. Now, he's no longer uh, at Corinth, but he's now at Ephesus, and he writes to them again in 2 Corinthians. The second epistle that we get inspired from by the apostle from God to the apostle Paul, it is to the same church, to the the church of Corinth. And Paul writes again because since his departure, there has been a great deal of of saints, you know, lingering from the first time that he was there, and the same things are uh, to some degree they're happening. Verse six uh, or chapter six, seven, and um, six and seven, he writes to them, encouraging them to, hey, some of you are in church, and you guys have not gotten saved. So he tells them to get saved. You know, now is the time of salvation. He closes the chapter telling them that you're supposed to, you're supposed to be separated. Come up from among them and be ye separated, right? Then he goes into chapter 7, and he tells them about the letter, right, that he write to them, you know, an exhortation letter that we is men, mentioned in reference in chapter 2. And then he tells them that, okay, I'm, I know I made you sorry, but it was good for your own good. And now we come to chapter 8, and I like that word, moreover. Moreover, in other words, look, I know I've written many things to you. To get away from sin and to get right with God and to get saved and to be separated. But on top of that, I want to add something more to, I want to add something more to you. And here is what caught my attention about the Apostle Paul requesting finances, right, for the saints of Jerusalem. I'm thinking, wait, shouldn't it just be enough to get the church away from sin? Wouldn't that just be enough to get the church from, instead of being divided and being somebody belonging to this group and somebody belonging to that group, wouldn't it just be enough to just get the church united and get the church, some of them saved, and to get away from the things that we're doing? Wouldn't that just be enough? 
But the Apostle Paul wants to get him to where God wants, to the will of God. And he wants, he's urging the church of Corinth to not only grow in grace in the other things that you're supposed to get rid of, all the sins, but also to come in this grace also. In other words, if we're going to do, if we're going to do God's will, you're supposed to crucify the flesh and do what God wants us to do, including financial giving. Now, what is grace? Um, it has been defined as God's riches at Christ's expense. And that, is, that sounds fine, but I, I believe that the Bible has a definition for, for the Bible itself. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, here we have the definition of grace. Verse 9, and he said unto me, Obviously, we understand that he's beside God for the thorn in the flesh, right? He, he wants God to remove that. Almost as if you can hear the, the apostle, but look, I can do more. And God says, no, you can't. Because I've given you that so that you can request my grace. And he said here in verse 9, and he said unto me, my grace equals to, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So the grace of God and growing in grace and this grace even that the Apostle Paul is talking about, it is only done in the power of God. If we're going to grow, grow in grace like the way that Peter asks, uh, exhorts us to do, it's going to be done in the power of God. It is in God's strength. And that is what salvation is. So many of us, we were, all of us, were lost in sin. We thought that through good works we can go to heaven. We thought that by being good we can go to heaven or by not sinning, by not being the bad kid in church. But it is through God's grace. When we, when we tried our strength and we tried to do good works, God said, it is not by works, but it is by grace. It is salvation. It is God's strength. And through this same grace, God wants to add grace given to the part of the package. So it is not only good enough for the Apostle Paul to exhort the carnal church to stop being carnal, but also he says, look, let's get here into this grace. I'm going to add grace given. So let us go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we do you wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How in great trials, how that in great trials of afflictions, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yeah, and beyond their power, they were willing on themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we will receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Now, let us draw very quickly, let us draw three lessons from here. The very first lessons that we can see, it is that there are poor churches with extreme value. The Apostle Paul is looking at the churches that they were given to the ministry. And he says, look, we just came from Macedonia. I think if I remember right, Corinth was in the south. The churches that he's referring to are Philippi and other churches, um, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. And he's looking, he's looking at, at these churches. And even, even, even secular history tells us that when Alexander the Great came and conquered the, the known world at the time, he took a lot of riches from the Christians. So these Christians are going through a great trial of affliction. 
and they're in deep poverty. But in spite of that, they're given not only of themselves, but they're given to the Lord. They were not in the abundance where we can say, you know what, we're going to do a budget and we're going to divide this much to that, this much to that. They were broke. I mean, if I can put it in this, they were running in red numbers because of the trials that they were going through. It wasn't just any affliction. The Apostle Paul is not using hyperbole, but he's using here a great trial of affliction. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. You know, I like how a one uh, historian or one commentator, I like the, the way he put it. They were, they were poor. I mean, they were dirt poor. They were broke. And in spite, look, when I, when I started reading this or developing this message, I said, you know what? In, in Bible school, they tell you that you always got to think of the people that you're preaching to, right? You gotta, you gotta remember who, who you're, who you're talking to as you develop the message. And I knew that 98% of the time that this, or 99.9 of the times that I was gonna be presented, I was gonna be presented to American churches. And I thought, I don't think, including myself, I don't think we understand what poverty is. All of us drove a nice car. It's got heated, maybe not everybody has heated seats, but we have, we have a few, uh, tank of fuel, we have plenty of food, we have a roof, right? Even, even the Americans are struggling. We have it better than the rest of the world. Right. Right. If you've ever been to a mission trip or you've been deployed overseas or you live in another country, you understand that most people live in less than $2 a day. And that is the people that are doing good. Many people live in shacks and many, many people live in things that they're not. You, 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 us as Americans, we wouldn't even put our dog there. So when the Apostle Paul is speaking about uh, trials and afflictions, when he, that was in A.D. 60. In 2023, living in the richest country of the world, the USA, when we, when we hear trials and afflictions and poverty, that we might think that somebody's drawing footsteps. We, we might think that somebody's get, getting government help. But can I tell you that the, the, the churches of Macedonia, they weren't asking the government for money. They didn't have the houses that you and I have. They don't have the 401ks that you and I have. They didn't have the cars that you and I have. And in spite of that, they gave themselves to God first. In other words, giving is going to require first a God for God. And after God has my heart, anything that God wants, including the last chicken that I had in there, God, you, can I sell this and give it to, to the ministry? That is what's happening here in the text. Now, some of us desire to give once we get out of the debt, once the home is paid off, once the kids leave home, once we get promoted, once we get the next stimulus check. But can I tell you that God does not want us to wait till then. God wants to make sure that before he gets her wallet, I don't even have my wallet. You can just tell my missionary. I don't have my wife has my wallet. I actually don't like things in my pocket when I'm preaching. But can I tell you that more than your wallet, God wants your heart. If we're going to reach the 8 billion people around the world, can I tell you that it's going to take a heart for God 
To say, God, here I am. Whatever you want to do with me, God, I surrender all. I want to do whatever you have for me, God. And if you want my last penny, my last cent, God, if you even want my kid. Can I tell you that many Christian Americans, we're so willing to give. And I thank God for that. But when it comes to giving our kid, when it comes to giving our kid to missions, that is the very thing that we retain. People have asked me, what has been your mom's and your, your parents' reaction for you going to, going to the mission field? I say, you know what, I'm just going to be honest with you. They don't like it, but they truly appreciate the fact that we're doing God's will. Same thing for my wife. But can I tell you, as you have your kids next to you, what if God wanted to take your kid to the mission field? It's not, all, it's not about money anymore. It's about God taking the thing that you, the, the person that you truly desire. What if God wants your kid? To minister in a world where people don't like Americans. Will you be okay with that? God wants her heart. If he's going to have her money or prayers, us going to the mission field, it is going to begin with the heart. Number two, grace given is part of complete grace. We noticed, we stated that God, grace, it is God's strength for the saint's weakness. Verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in the diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. We can see here very clearly that the Apostle Paul wanted, it, wanted the church to go to complete grace, not just getting away from sin, but doing the whole package. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 4. If you can go there with me. Through 7. I thank God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. That in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance, in all knowledge. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirming you. So that you become, so that you come behind in no gift. That is amazing. The carnal church had many gifts from God. They had faith, they had utterance, they had knowledge, many things. But the Apostle Paul says, look, I want you to abide in these things. And as you abide, I want to tell you, I want to, tell you, I want to invite you to please come join us in this great giving. Verse 7, so that you become, so that ye come behind in a gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that a big salary is not needed to give? You, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to make thousands. I really like an illustration where there was a, a girl in a remote village, and she had a crutch. She was in crutches. The offering time came, and everybody came forward, you know, and they had the plate somewhere down here, and everybody's given. She has no money. You can just imagine a kid with dirt in her face, you know, um, no shoes. And she wanted to give. She comes forward. And the last thing that she has is her crutches. She picks him off, puts him there. 
That's when you know that God has your heart. That's when we understand that God can use that individual. We're also reminded of the boy that said, look, all I have is a few fishes and here's some bread. But I just want to give it to the one that can, that created everything, that can multiply it. Look, when we invest in God's work, God can multiply it. But first, it is an issue and a matter of the heart. So grace giving is part of complete grace. In today's culture, we are buying things. With the money that we do not have to impress people that we don't even like. I think Dave Ramsey got it from Ken Hudges. But whether it was Dave Ramsey or Ken that quoted, coined that phrase, sadly enough, that is our society. Can I tell you that once you study the, the epistles and you notice, you study the secular history at the given time and you understand that. What was happening in the personality of the towns would penetrate to the churches, their idols, their worship, their morals. Can I tell you, it's very true here in the United States. When you notice that how other, other people are walking, your neighbor just got a car, your neighbor just got this, and the, man, we got to keep up with the Jonas, with the Jonas or whoever those people are. They're very famous. <laughs> you, we got to keep up with them. Because it looks like they just got a bigger screen, a bigger TV. And we got to keep up with them. Have we kept up with God? With the work of God? Lastly, third lesson. Giving is not done out of love, out of duty, but out of love. Now, I'm not making reference of the tithe. Tithing was a duty that predated the Old Testament. I mean, if you study the Old Testament, I mean, some of those people gave from 30 to 40 percent of their income to God. You, you gave to the tabernacle, to the priest, to the suffering, to the other offering. It is between 32 percent to 40 percent that the given that the Old Testament required. Now, obviously, the tithe is God's. If you don't pay the tithe, you're robbing God, right? And God said, You have robbed me. And people in the, in the Old Testament said, who have we robbed? How have we robbed you? When have we robbed you? And God really very quickly turned around. You have robbed me in tithes and offerings. I'm not making reference of the tithe. I'm making reference of missions given. Now, verse 8, if we can go to, to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion. For the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. So the Apostle Paul says, look, if you truly love the saints, if you're truly going to grow in grace and stop your divisions that you have, and you're going to prove to God that you actually want to grow in grace, here's what you have to do. You also have to give to others now. It is a test of love. And I like how here in verse 9 and 10, he's going to use a financial metaphor to show the, the love of God towards us. And check it out here. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. The Apostle Paul is saying, look, I know that the church of Corinth is financially better. 
we, we're doing much better than um, financially speaking than the, the churches of, of Macedonia. And I just want to make reference to you, he says. Look, the same thing happened with Jesus Christ. He was rich with everything next to the glory of God. And he left that just so you and I to the church of Corinth so that you and I could be saved. I mean, that's a wonderful truth. That us being poor. God regenerated, giving us his genes to the point that we now have access to God. And here's what the Apostle Paul is using. Financial metaphor was going on so they can give. And at the same time to remind them that that is actually what happened here. And herein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you who have begun, who had begun before not only to do so, but also to be forward a year ago. Let us go back to verse 5. And this they did. Not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Can I confess something to you as a missionary, having been a previously a youth pastor? I've done giving. I'm not boasting, but I've done plenty of giving, percentage-wise, out of my small salary. And if I'm honest with God, and I do a public confession, Giving can truly be done just for the sake of giving. Not truly from the heart. It can be a substantial amount. I know that from personal experience. But true giving, and giving that comes from the heart, and a giving that is acceptable unto God, it is a giving that comes from the heart, no matter the amount, but it is a sacrifice. And I like what it says here in verse 5, and this they did. Not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. I want to close this message tonight with a question. Have we, you know, if I can be more upfront, have you given yourself to God? I'm not speaking about your wallet or your family. I'm speaking to individual individuals. Have you given yourself to God? Don't worry about my love offering. As a matter of fact, you guys can send it to the mission field. I'm not here to preach so I can get a bigger love offering. I'm here. It's my, my, my heart. Knowing that there's 8 billion people in the world. My question is, who is going to go? Who is going to say, God, will you please send me? I want to give my, myself first to God. That is my heart. Somebody that will come and help us to reach the Clinket people in Southeast Alaska. Somebody that will go to the corners of the world and get the gospel out there to those people. God is going to need your heart, ladies and gentlemen, young people. If I can, if I can get through your ears and your heart, God wants to use you. Will you say, God, here am I. Please use me. Let us pray.